Welcome to One More Dig Metal Detecting Stories. I'm Dave Sponenberg. Welcome to the final episode of Season 2. This is Season 2, Episode 10. And I'm going to take about a month off or so um, and regroup for Season 3. We'll have all kinds of exciting new topics and be moving into the start of the season for us folks in the North. Um, I could potentially post a short podcast here and there over the next month, depending on uh, if I acquire any new equipment, um, anything exciting on that, any exciting new um, permissions that I may hook up with, anything, just anything I might like to check in with y'all and uh, and let you know what I'm doing. Um, I'm personally trying to weigh the pros and cons of um, buying a Deus 2. I do have the original Deus and Equinox 800, as as you all know. Um, I love metal detectors, and it's sort of like an addiction for me, and I probably spend way more money than I need to, but uh, I like having different options and I'm a, I'm a big fan of new technologies and, uh, anyway, I'm thinking of it probably not cause there's no reason for me to do it. Um, I did have a pre-order on the Nokia legend that I, that I just canceled. It's been, uh, it's been a long time and I don't know if the last I heard they're coming in the end of March. Um, I could be wrong, but that's the last thing I read on, and one of the Facebook groups, I'm sure it's a great machine. Um, but anyway, that's just the decision I made on, on that. So we'll see. Day is two, maybe. Maybe not. Probably frivolous. Um, but I'm sure, it's a, I'm sure it's a great machine. Um, speaking of technology, um, this is going to be sort of a long-winded segue, but... Uh, for those of you who listened to the last podcast um, regarding my trip to Florida, obviously, um, I had a great time, you could tell, and I'm, I'm back in New Hampshire. And where the technology piece comes in, we drove down in three eight-hour segments from New Hampshire to uh, Cape Coral, and then we were planning on driving back in three eight-hour segments, three to three days. And the day that uh, we were in the middle of driving the first leg home, I got a call from the car dealership. I had ordered a Volkswagen ID4 electric vehicle last September, and we had no idea when it was going to come in. It, it said maybe February was the last I saw on my portal. And all of a sudden that first day we're driving and I get the call and I'm like, whoa. So we stay overnight the first night. And then the second day we were going to drive eight hours. And <laughs> I was so excited. Uh, my wife and I decided, okay, we'll, we'll head home. And we drove 17 hours uh, we took turns, but we drove 17 hours, got back at two in the morning. And then at 10 in the morning, I was, I was sitting in the car. Um, it's for those of you who aren't 
familiar with the Volkswagen ID4. It's their it's their uh, electric vehicle. Vehicle. Um, it's it's really pretty cool. It's got all the bells and whistles. It's like it's a technological wonder, just like our detectors. It's uh, it's basically a computer on wheels. Um, it's going to take a little getting used to managing managing the miles. I a full charge gets me about 240 miles. That's what the advertisement is. So that's probably some sort of blended average or whatever. Um, so that'll get me around pretty much everywhere I go, except when I go visit my parents or uh, we head up to Portland, Maine for a weekend or something. I'm going to have to figure out a, a way to charge when I'm out there. And most, most places, um, have chargers around most towns already do and some of them have the the uh the superchargers which it'll charge my battery to 80 percent in about 38 minutes or so it says it's it's that's really pretty close i've, I've done that a couple of times i have a level two charger in my garage and i can i can charge it in about six hours um so just overnight I plug it in six to seven hours and uh i'm good to go the next day so it'll be exciting um most of my detecting spots are only five ten miles away so it won't it won't be a factor um in getting to and from there but yeah it's pretty neat it's it's fun um i always i always chase the technology just like with the dais before before this car i had a rav4 hybrid and i always try to um see what the newest newest thing is out there um but yeah so we drove back in 17 hours straight the second day just so i could pick up a car that i could have picked up <laughs> the day after or the day after that um i guess that says a lot of a lot about me but Anyway, so we're back. I'm very excited to be talking to you all. And uh, and as I promised, we are going to have a One More Dig golf shirt giveaway. And it's a beautiful shirt. Um, it's medium gray. It's It doesn't wrinkle. You put it in the washer dryer, it does not wrinkle. Um, it's a really pretty medium gray with a white and black One More Dig logo on the left chest. And and these are really nice. I ordered a few of them, several just for myself. Um, so here's how it'll work. After today's show, send me an email at omdstories at gmail.com and put golf shirt in the subject line. I will accept submissions up until Sunday February 22nd, midnight Eastern. At 7 p.m. Eastern on February 23rd, I will post a video of me drawing a name out of the hat, and the winner will be announced on the video. Um, this is exciting. I hope I hope everyone enters. Um, I'm going to be pretty low-tech, and I'm going to, which is funny since I was just talking about being high-tech, but I'm just going to write everybody's name on a piece of paper, put it in a one more dig hat, and then um, pull a name out of there. And I will, I will, 
record myself doing that and I will uh, post that video um, right after, you know, right uh, at 7 o'clock on the 22nd. So that's kind of fun for me. It's, I mean, I, I keep bragging about it, but the shirt's really nice. And uh, I think anyone who gets it will, will really like it. Um, so everybody, uh, you know, everybody listening, send me an email. Um, you'll go in the you'll go in the hat, omdstories at gmail dot com, and just put golf shirt in the subject line. And you know, while while you're at it, let me know what you think. Let me know what uh, what kind of topics you'd like to hear, or what topics I've covered that that were interesting. Um, you know, in the whole rigmarole, just please go to whatever platform you listen uh, to the podcast on, whether it be Apple Podcast or Pandora or Audible, Amazon. I'm on all of those. I'm on pretty much any platform. But go on and rate me and review me, please, because it, it really helps me. Um, and it, it's just a it's just a good thing so that other people can see whether they may or may not want to listen. Um, it's helpful. It's helpful all the way around. Wow, I think I I feel like I went through all of that fast. Uh, that was a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, I'm sorry to ramble on about the car, but I did. Okay, so, um, as you've noticed, the title of this podcast is Places I'd Like to Hunt and Win an OMD Shirt. Well, we covered the OMD shirt part. Um, uh, places I'd Like to Hunt. And I've just put a short list, sort of, I don't like to use the word bucket list because it's it's so widely used, it just feels like, I don't know, maybe overused to me, um, but I'm not going to call it a bucket list. I'm just going to say that these are places that I'd like to hunt um, that I've never hunted before. Some of them are easy and obtainable. Some of them um, maybe never. Um, there's only a few here. And then I'll talk about actually a few that I that were missed opportunities for me but okay so places i'd like to hunt number one is an easy one um i don't even know why i put it on here because it's so easy but i want to hunt on the treasure coast on hutchinson island and i know some of you will remember that i did a podcast of my uh my meeting with uh, Gary Drayton, and that was on Hutchinson Island. You also may remember, however, I did not have the opportunity to metal detect on that trip. And so I'd really like to go down there and, um, you know, hunt on the beach where there's might have been a 1715 fleet ship wrecked, you know, 300 years ago or It'd be very exciting to uh, to just go there. I mean, Gary found that that ruby 
or not ruby, the emerald ring that's worth almost a million dollars. And it's not, I mean, money, obviously, that would be really nice. But just the idea that he found a ring from that wreck was pretty amazing. But so I'd like to go down and spend a few hours and just try my luck. Um, chances are slim, but you never know. And so I guess I can tell you the reason I said that's easy is it's probably going to happen on February 26th or 27th we're taking on school break we're taking my kids down to um, Hutchinson Island for a few days for school break it's a little self-serving but it, it is also it's a beautiful beautiful island and it, the whole um, coast is, is beach most of it anyway and it's it's just gorgeous and it's nice and there were I can't remember. Gary told me there were dozens of shipwrecks along that along that beach over the last several hundred years. So anyway, I'm going to try and sneak out and detect for a little bit. And right now I'm in the works trying to find some place that I can rent a machine for the day because I'm not going to have the room um to to bring a machine down with me i'm trying to i'm pretty sure there's a place i can rent a equinox 800 for the day and uh just wander around the beach for a little bit and uh you know probably find nothing but you never know and that's the beauty of it is you just you just never know i mean especially different stuff's washed up every day and different stuff's pulled back every day um on ocean beaches so maybe some spanish coins maybe gold jewelry i don't know you never know but anyway that's on my list and um i had to put one on there that was going to be easy i guess so so that's that one um one thing that i've dreamed of doing since i started water hunting back in my teens um i used to water hunt in in lakes freshwater lakes in upstate new york um we put our our wetsuits on and have our scoops and our underwater metal detectors that were a brand new thing at the time i started probably in 84 or something like that and uh one thing that that made me think of and i've i've thought of it for 35 40 years now i want to learn how to dive and it seems like you know a midlife crisis kind of a thing for a for a 52 year old man to to come up with and um but i've i've always wanted to dive and maybe this summer i'll maybe this summer i'll i'll learn um at the least you can um, they have guided tours to dive on the Atosha down in the Florida Keys. And, uh, you know, you pay, I don't know what it is. I think it was a couple hundred dollars and you got to have your own gear though. And, or you can rent gear. Um, but you dive down on the Atosha. I didn't realize how shallow it was. It's only, I don't know, 10 to 40 feet or something like that. Um, which would be amazing. And, 
I don't really know the rules if if what you find you give them or how any of it works, but just to dive on maybe the most famous uh, wreck of all time would be would be very cool. I also found out about the Atosha I was down there in Key West a couple years ago and we went to the Mel Fisher Museum and I didn't realize it, but they only found half the ship. They still haven't found the other half, which they say, um, whoever they are, they say that there's more treasure on the other half of the ship than on the half they found. So maybe, maybe someday, I don't know. Maybe I'll go down and be a beach bum and and scuba dive for treasure in my retirement. But that's one thing I've always wanted to do is dive. Maybe not in maybe not in freshwater lakes because they get so. This is a weird thing about me, but it gets so dark. Um, it just feels like it would be hard to see things. But I. Uh, Definitely in the ocean, it seems like it would be fun. Um, there's a few dive schools in New Hampshire, a couple anyway, in New Hampshire. Um, it's a pretty big commitment for classes and things. But that So places I'd like to hunt, I guess I put number two is dive the Florida Keys. So, or any variation of water down south where it's warm um so that'd be fun another one that i'd i'd love to do and i i mean i don't want this to sound like a scavenger or anything but i'd love to hunt his uh like state historical sites but not just go on the property and because it would never happen and i would never do that because you're not allowed to, but to be the person that they hire to come on and, and look for artifacts um, for study, that's something that I always thought that would be awesome. Sort of like, not an archaeologist, but someone, you know, you find something. I think the way it works is you find something almost, I think, similar to Loke Island. Loke Island. You find something, you put a flag in it. It gets all sorted out. Um, how it's going to get dug up and whatever, and then the archaeologist takes care of it from there. But that seems like it would be uh, a fun, you know, a fun place to hunt. I mean, if a lot of these sites were protected for decades and there's some pretty cool stuff that could be found, um, even though, you know, you don't get to keep it. I mean, I have a neighbor who I found so much good stuff on his lawn. Um, things that I've never found before, Australian silver coins and, um, buttons from jackets from guys who worked on the Boston and Maine railroad and, um, shoe, 1800s shoe buckles and, and things like that. And, uh, he, he didn't ask for it back, but I, I thought that he'd like it and, had a had a plan for displaying it in his home and so it was it was cool and i was happy to give it to him and i took pictures of it and i have all these nice pictures of the things i found and you know they went back to this 
the guy who owns the house from 1882 who probably had someone that worked on the Boston Main Railroad. Um, so it's pretty cool. It was, I was, um, you know, he was happy and I was, you know, I was happy as I dug this stuff up. It was really neat. And I have pictures and, and things. So, you know, that's sort of like this, this, if you could get on a historical site with a archeological crew, I think a lot of that goes on, um, in the UK, that type of, I don't know the exact way it happens, but I think they have, um, detectorists come to sites and work with archeologists. So that would be a place I'd like to hunt. And then for my fourth one, I'm going to be a broken record here, but any colonial farm, I love hunting in fields and I love finding colonial coins and buckles and buttons. And I love crotal bells. Some of you probably um, heard me talk about the crotal bell I found last fall. Um, I just, I really like those. I know they're not like super rare or anything, but, but they're rarer to be all in one piece and work. So it was, this one I found was. Um, okay, so those are the, I, I just listed four places, Hutchinson Island, I'm going to get to, Diving the Keys, Pipe Dream, probably, state historical sites. Likely will never happen, but you never know. Someone around town says, hey, do you know someone who metal detects? And, you know, I know quite a few people around town, and they say, oh, Dave Spannenberg. And you never know. Um, if you know people, or if people know you, um, you know, you might get lucky. And then Colonial Farms. No, I should put Colonial Farms number one because I just I like standing out there in the middle of a field. You feel like you're a million miles from nowhere. Um, it's just just a lot of, a lot of good times doing that in my life. Um, and then a few things that I missed out on detecting the number one thing was when I started water hunting it was in the early early 80s mid 80s ish and I was a teenager and I had all kinds of sports and then I went to college and then I came out in the 90s and then all kinds of life stuff happens or whatever so I went detecting throughout those years but mostly just when I had a chance and on land um, but boy, whoever metal detected beaches and freshwater lakes in the 70s, 80s, 90s, they cleaned it up. I mean, the first people to get into these places, um, I mean, I'd like to say I wish I was 10 years older, but I don't now, but I might have then. Um, to just Earl, I mean, Earl and Kirk used to go. And they would find just, I don't know, 40 rings, 50 rings in a weekend between them. And just the first, the first people in with technology, the waterproof technology, I mean, you know, and, and they weren't even the first, first, I mean, people were somehow back in the seventies, I think there were machines being waterproofed to some degree. But that's one that I missed, but 
maybe only on age. I found a lot of gold rings in the 80s, um, but not as much as I, I would have if I went the way I go now. Um, let's see. Another missed opportunity. Actually, there's two of them. Over the last, I don't know, maybe I want to say eight, five years, eight years, um, two of the major parks in Concord, New Hampshire had some, some, uh, some work done. And one of them had basically the entire park was dug up. It was a large portion of it was a baseball field that was from the early 1900s. And when they were digging it up, um, getting it ready to whatever grade probably and bring dirt in, I saw a guy out in the, out there every night when I went by detecting. And I'm like, I really got to go out there. I really need to ask him, you know, who do I ask or whatever. Um, I later found that he just cleaned up on turn of the century silver, silver coins, just like cleaned up because it all got, you know, these machines went in and dug up all the topsoil, put in piles and dragged it around. Um, so that was a missed opportunity by me. And it's, I wasn't afraid to ask. I was just, I don't know. I just didn't act on it. Um, another park in town here in Concord called Rollins Park, based, a very similar thing happened. Um, and I did get in there once or twice. I found a really nice old cuff link, and um, I think I found a flat button in there. But by the time I got back, I, I dragged my feet, and by the time I went back, they were just, it was graded, and I couldn't I couldn't get in there. So that's a lesson. When you see that kind of stuff happening, get yourself in there somehow. Um, these were both parks from like right around 1900. Beautiful city parks that people used to promenade and ride horse and carriage and and uh, just wander around and lose their seated and barber stuff. Um, let's see, so that's the two parks. Yeah, and you know, you go by an occasion right up the street, um, a neighbor three houses away uh, went through a new, through a, she had, let's see, farmhouse from 1810, I believe. And it's up on a hill and they were having the house completely restored and the whole front yard they dug up and um, I had a friend who was a friend of a friend who was going to ask if they would, if it was okay if I detected there. And then I just never followed up and I wasn't as aggressive as I should have been. Um, but that would have been a, that would have been a nice one. It has a big old barn foundation out back and, um, just like, I mean, Concord and just outside of Concord is all, all old farms. Um, yeah, so those are all missed. And and then there's the occasional, the city digs up a sidewalk or a road or something, and you know 
to sneak in there and detect is a great idea. And I usually forget, or I, I don't during COVID, I don't, you know, you don't get around much and, um, see what's going on, but all right. Well, anyway, those are my missed opportunities. Um, I don't think I'll be doing, I won't be back until the middle of March, but after I Hutchinson, I might, I might do a quick five minute thing just to let you know how I did. Um, I don't expect much, but cause I know it's, I mean, it's detected like crazy. Um, but you never know. And that's how I live by, you know, you never know. I mean, you never know if there's a Confederate CS egg belt plate in Concord, New Hampshire. And then until it's there, you know, so you never know, um, until someone finds it. So that's it for that. Um, Oh, one more thing. I, I said that I would do a, another hand signal from the coin shooters hand signals manual. It's called coin shooters hand signals for hunting in groups by Dave Ross and Jim Copeland. Now, after I post this podcast, I'll also have a short video or photo on one more dig, the one more dig Facebook page demonstrating the, uh, the signal. Um, today's signal is a mercury dime. And so when you want to show your friend off in the distance that you found a mercury dime, you put your hands right over your ears and move your thumbs out so that the back of your hands are facing them. And that's the signal for a mercury dime. Hopefully you all share that with your clubs. Um, it was, as I explained in the last podcast, sort of just like tongue in cheek fun with a bunch of guys riding around. Um, but yeah, so that'll be on the Facebook page. Um, so I guess I can say, see you in season three for more, one more dig. I'm planning to pick up in the middle of March. Like I said, I'll be maybe do a short one or two updates on, Hutchinson Island, or if I do by a dais, which I probably won't, um, or anything else that I think might be fun to share. But anyway, remember, always make one more dig. That's the most important thing. Thank you for listening to One More Dig Metal Detecting Stories, and I'm Dave Sponenberg. Mm-hmm.